What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Holy moly, you guys. This episode is sponsored by Mira, the only tracker that measures your actual fertility, hormone concentrations, and your unique hormone curve. Use promo code LAM50, L-A-M-5-0 to get $50 off when you order online. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Dila Bexak on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Uh, I'm just going to throw it at you, Dila. Start wherever you like. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Dila. I'm from, originally from Turkey, and I came to San Francisco, California about uh, 15 years ago, and um, I met my husband about six years ago. It was really funny that we met. The met the time that we met, we actually started arguing, and I was like, "I hate this guy." And then about an hour later, I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna marry this guy," and I, and I ended up marrying him. Um, and I think I just like you know most of the women do, do the same thing. And how I became a mother. Well, people say that mothers feel it, and I I really felt that I was carrying a baby when I was pregnant for only two weeks. Not so many people get that chance, but only the contra freak mamas. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm a really contra freak person. Uh, we started uh, to plan our family and I was checking my temperature every day. The moment that we decided to have kids, I was like, okay, what do I need to do now? And I just studied all my own work and, you know, basic checking basal temperatures, uh, looking at the ovulation dates and everything. But after my ovulation period, I kept checking my temperature and it raised it high a week later. So for two, three nights, I had absolute pains. And I want to say just like a period pain, but lucky me, I actually never had per- uh, pains during my period. So when I searched online, Google was like, well, it's normal to have pains when the embryo is trying to hold on to your womb. So I had so much pain that I wanted to see a doctor. And I, one day I decided to just do that at work and it was just not normal, like something was wrong. So my husband was really happy and he was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go there and they're going to say that I'm, I'm father now. And we were so excited. We went to the doctor and they tested me with a pee stick and told me I was not pregnant. And I was like, no, it's impossible. I feel it. I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then next day, I insisted that um, I was pregnant. And they checked with an ultra, ultrasound. And they just want to make sure that um, they see something in the gestational sac. And doctor told me that if I was pregnant, it was an ectopic pregnancy. And I had to abort as soon as possible. At that point, I still didn't see the positive thing on my, um, <laughs> sorry, on my P-stick. So, um, and then doctor was like, if it's ectopic pregnancy, something might go wrong. And Dorf was just, my husband was just like crashed at that moment. And he was so happy to be there to hear the good news from the doctor saying, oh, you're going to be father. But uh, unfortunately, they said we have to abort it. 
And I was like, no, there must be something else. And in America, I think it's really weird that they don't do the blood test right away. I insisted for them to do the blood test. And um, they still didn't see it because it was still below the HCG level, I think. And two days later, I was like, okay, I'm going to try the peace stick again. And then there was two lines, but like really, really painted. So I must have felt it really early that it was, it was not even a peace stick. So um, I saw that it was really painted. I didn't know what to do. I was like, am I really pregnant? And, um, <laughs> and then I, I was following an um, app for my period tracker. So there is a forum on that app, and that app is actually called Glow. I don't know if uh, if it does advertisement or anything, but it's a it's a really good app to track all your evolution things. And uh, I put it on, I put that picture on that forum, and so many people replied with cheers and tears. They were like, "Oh my gosh, yes, you're pregnant!" And I was like, "Wow, like this happened so quick!" But what to do? Because I heard so many stories of my friends not getting pregnant, and I was I I always felt bad that that's gonna happen to me too, and then uh, when I learned that that Saturday, it was July seventh, and I knew I was pregnant, and I was like, okay, it's just too early. What that just doctors don't see it yet, and my husband was still sleeping on that day, and I decided to surprise him. I found a mini box, and. Um, sorry and a baby girl's shoes that i bought for my friend for a baby shower for later in that week i was so excited when i was wrapping that box and i woke him up and i was like oh i like you have to go to the backyard i kept telling that to him and he was like what's going on because there was a uh, camera on the backyard so i was like i was hoping to record to him while i was proposing him I literally bent my knee and I was in a proposal pose and I, I don't remember what I mumbled in my mouth, but um, he was very shocked and sleepy at the same time. And he was like, I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what's this girl's shoe, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, no, you're going to be dad. And he was like, no. And, um, and it just, I will never forget that moment. It's, it's really precious in my life. And um, later that week, I insisted another doctor to do the blood test. We checked it again, and it was a regular pregnancy. And, and I was really happy that I just didn't abort the pregnancy at that time. Although now I wish I did. Um, so during the pregnancy, I only bloated a bit, but there were no signs of nausea. Some mornings I had pain, like a period of pain, but, um, before I get out of bed, but that was it. And I had a very happy and healthy pregnancy. I mean, I, I can totally say that it was not difficult for me. I felt the baby moving around around 16 week, which people usually feels around 20th. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel every little thing about this baby. And I was so connected to him. Um, and um, he was moving a lot and I was just constantly feeling it, it, was, it was amazing. And we love traveling, and we traveled to seven countries while I was pregnant. We both love beach vacations, so we decided to name our baby Deniz, which means the sea in Turkish. And we had our baby moon in Bora Bora Tahiti. That's our happy place, so we, we, had, we had our honeymoon there too. 
And after going there for Baby Moon, my husband was like, you know what? I really want Bora as a middle name for the baby. It comes like, you know, from the Bora Bora Islands. And there it was, like his name was there. And um, I was 23 weeks pregnant at the time. And um, so my, my husband travels to China for work every other month and stays there for a couple of weeks. Since I wouldn't be able to travel for a while after the baby, I decided to go him, go and just stay with him about three, four days. And I went to Shanghai by myself, stayed there and came back. When I arrived home, I felt a bit of um, blood. It was unusual. So I went to my doctor and he said, baby is doing fine. It's probably because of the plane ride. That should be fine. And a week later, I was 27 weeks at that time. I was in this very stressful meeting. I started having contractions. I thought it was because of stress and nothing else. And that night, my husband came back from China. <laughs> Sorry. And um, I was showing him my belly and how it was getting really tight and tense sometimes because the baby baby's head was there. I was like, look, look, look at the right side. There's a baby head on there. Don't look at the left side. Now the baby's head on the left side. Um, he timed it and it was about every five to ten minutes and I was at week 27. So like there was no way that I can deliver the baby at that time, right? So I didn't know what Braxton Hicks at, at that time too. And the next day after work, we went out for a walk and I was stopping every five minutes. And so, and I was just like, I cannot catch my breath. Like I'm going really bad here. And that was Thursday. So, and on Monday, we were planning to go to Bahamas for Christmas break. And I wanted to make sure that I was okay with those head movements because, you know, baby was just putting his head everywhere every five minutes, right? So I texted my doctor and explained what's going on. And a couple hours later, I was parked outside at the beauty salon to get my mini pedi for the um, for the vacation. And my nurse called and said I might be in labor. And I was like, Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to Bahamas on Monday. Like I can't be in labor right now. <laughs> and she told me to rush to the doctor's office. I called my husband, and he didn't believe it either. And he was like, Okay, let's just go and check. And then after the doctor um, seeing and testing me, he said, there's a high chance I might be in labor. And he sent me to a hospital. And that's where just everything changed our life. In the triage room, nurses checked my test results and said, sorry, my lady, no more Bahamas. And you are going to stay in the antipartum department as long as you can keep the baby. And that might be for another three months if you're lucky. So I was in shock. And, well, spoiler, it didn't last for three months. <laughs> and I was in the antipartum department only for five days. They gave me the magnesium to delay the labor and started to enhance the lungs of the baby so he could have a higher chance of breathing on his own when he did born. And those five days, I was still hopeful that I, you know, I had the baby the chance to live. And I couldn't believe how grown up we became to understand what's going on and acting cool on the track. Like, I was like, what happened to us? And um, my husband was researching day and night to understand why I went to preterm labor. Like, he was just not sleeping. He was going crazy with all the searching and 
Pop. And um, on the last night of our stay, Nikki director uh, came to our room and explained what would happen to our baby if it was born at the time, which was 20 and half weeks old. And how our son would go to NICU because he might need some oxygen support and need some time to get ready for the room temperature and whatnot. And I just think of myself as a factual person. So I was I was in a hospital bed, I listened to him and and then I started asking all of my weird questions like how long he needs to stay in the NICU, what are the possibilities of him staying alive and and like so many other stupid questions also. And the director said there's a 95% chance that he will live and nothing is expected to him uh, to happen to him since he was over 27 weeks. And he told us currently there's a baby in NICU which was born at week 23 and now it's in his week 27. I was really shocked and I was like, so you can be, you can actually make babies live even if they were born on week 23. And he was like, well, there are some complications sometimes, but most of them are healthy. And your baby is over 27 weeks, so there's a high chance your baby will survive. And I just like started hearing like survive, okay? Like this is my motto. I'm just gonna say it will survive, he will survive. And that's what I kept telling myself after he left for, for so many days. And the next day a doctor came into our room with the ultrasound machine and um, she said, I have lots of fluid, amino acid in my womb, and it was unusual. I'm 27 weeks, but my uterus has the size of over 34 weeks. And this baby has been moving so much because of the fluid. So Mammy asked her why there was too much fluid. She said with the equipment she has in her office, she can see better if the baby has heart problems or something else to define the extra amino acid. So, um, I didn't have any diabetes or anything that, so that was um, lowering our chance of diabetic problems, but she was thinking that if there are any neurological problems that might cause our baby to not swallow in the warmth and that could cause extra liquid. So at that time we started really worrying about it. Um, and then doctor told us that after I got so much magnesium and steroids, there's nothing else they can do at the hospital. So they decided to discharge me with a condition of bed resting for the rest of my pregnancy days. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just going to be a really tough road. And I still remember that day. It was the Christmas day and I love Christmas. I love Christmas songs, lights, smells, everything about Christmas. So for them to send us home on a Christmas day, it was like a miracle to me. It was it was amazing. Uh, we came home on Tuesday the 25th and scheduled an appointment to see the same doctor in our office with detailed like level two uh, ultrasound. And that was on 31st of December. And I was still strict to bed rest in the meantime. Taking a shower once a week was the rule. Um, also, I was having contractions every 10 minutes or so that never went away till I delivered the baby. And on the New Year's Eve, uh, we went to schedule detailed high-level ultrasound thing. And doctor was pushing to my belly and trying to get an echo on the baby's heart. I, I was just so amazed that they could get an echo on a baby's heart while it was still in my mom. I was like, wow. <laughs> 
and um, it was also hurting like hell because I was having the contractions every five minutes. And during that um, detailed ultrasound, doctor found that baby had an extra skin on his neck area, but she said she was not 100% sure. And we were just like started searching, like what does that mean? But during the echo, she saw some problems in his heart. She couldn't really describe it, so she told us to see a pediatrician cardiologist in Stanford's Child Hospital. And when they called and got an appointment for that, it, um, I think that appointment was on January 4th. So I was like, okay, if I can still keep the baby till then, that's awesome. And our close friends came to our place for New Year's Eve. Um, and celebrated with us. I had just mi mixed feelings at midnight, right at 12 a.m. I was shocked, like tear, full eyes, and um, kissed my husband and just like a regular New Year's Eve, but I had no clue what was gonna happen next. And I was just panicking deep, 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 deep inside. And on January 3rd night, right when we were about to sleep, I started to feel so much pain with the contractions and I waited and then 10 minutes later, another sharp pain. And I just, I was like, okay, I had been having these contractions nonstop, but never felt the pain before. And this is just like uncomfortable. And my bump was only getting tense. Like that was it. It was not getting um, smoother like it used to. So anyways, I, I just knew that night was going to be my last night that I was pregnant. And, um, I told my husband the pain just happened for once and he should just sleep since we were planning to go to Stanford in the morning for the heart echo. And he slept and I stayed awake and kept writing the minutes every time and I had a, um, painful contractions. Around sunrise, I had contractions every five minutes. At 7 a.m., I went to the restroom and I saw the bleeding and I was like, oh gosh, okay, this is the time of labor. Now I'm really, really in this labor. And I called my OBGYN and um, explained the situation to my nurse. Five minutes later, my doctor called and told me to come to his office first for him to examine me. And I was like, sure, but I also had an appointment for the baby's heart attack at 8 a.m. Like, what should I do? And he was like, well, um, I'm most likely in labor but it will be better if I go to Stanford and get an echo first before the baby is born so they know what to do and delivery happens. So um, from our house in that traffic, we went to Palo Alto in like 40 minutes and I was dying from the pains every five minutes. It was just horrible. And um, we got in the echo and it took about an hour for them to take their go. And oh, I just remember I was crying in between the contractions because it started to become really hard for me to handle the stretch. And I was just like, what's going to happen right now? I, I started panicking. And um, anyways, after those were done, doctor wanted to take us to the, her room. And she started explaining what was wrong with our baby. And I was just crying. But it was not because of worrying about the baby at the time. It was just about the contractions and the labor pain. So... She told us that baby will have a coarctation and most of the times during the birth, baby might fix it by himself. So doctor was saying that I might need to deliver the baby early. And I was like, oh, honey, don't worry, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm going to deliver this today for sure. And uh, she did see me handling the pain, but she said this baby 
Bill's going to have lots of problems in his heart. And she thought it might be a good idea for me to stay in Stanford and deliver the baby there because there is a cardiologist can be there during delivery. And I asked the doctor, like, if it's okay to deliver the baby with my own doctor in the hospital near our house. Because I, I, I was just trusting my doctor. I really wanted him to deliver the baby. And um, so everything got arranged. We drove to the Good Samaritan Hospital and called our doctor on the way. And when we get in the hospital in the triage room, my doctor measured I was dilated three centimeters already. So it was like two hours later, I, all of a sudden I was dialed at five and they said they have to get me in the C-section right away. Otherwise, baby can't come in any moment. I liked that idea at that time because I was, I was pretty scared and didn't want to deliver in a natural way. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And um, at that time, me and my husband, we were just shocked we didn't know what was waiting for us after the delivery so i was extremely calm i don't know where that was coming from but i told myself me is more important everything is gonna be okay and just like i need to take care of myself first so that i can take care of my baby and nurses dressed me for the surgery hubby also wore his surgery clothing which made him look like an astronaut and we were just like laughing we took funny pictures to, uh, to try to stay positive and um they put me on the wheelchair took me to the surgery room they said my husband will be there soon but they had to put, they had to put me on the bed and give me an epidural first and right when they were gonna give me the injection <laughs> my painful contractions came back Sorry to interrupt this episode, you guys, but we have a little message from our sponsor, Mira. So how does Mira help to track ovulation? Unlike other fertility trackers, Mira measures actual fertility hormone concentrations with 99% accuracy. By tracking your unique hormone levels throughout your cycle, Mira learns your cycle to personalize your ovulation prediction because Mira analyzes your actual hormone levels. It gives accurate insights on fertile window for those with irregular cycles and PCOS. Mira app synchronizes automatically and eliminates manual charting. In addition to LH hormone, Mira is the next step in women's health tracking and analysis. Designed to be expandable, the Mira system will offer more at-home health tracking in the future. Mira will measure multiple women's hormones such as estrogen, progesterone, FSH, and HCG, all with the current analyzer. Mira will help you to achieve your fertility goal regardless if it is trying to conceive, learning your cycles, or trying to avoid. Order Mira Starter Kit online on miracare.com with promo code LAM50 LAM50 and get $50 off. The Mira Fertility Analyzer and app take the guesswork and stress out of ovulation tracking. Don't forget to order today with the exclusive promo code LAM50. L-A-M-50. A big thank you to those of you supporting our sponsor as it allows me to continue to provide this platform to us all for free. As always, this sponsor will be linked in the description of this episode. Now let's get back to it. And to help me out, doctor asked me like, what to name my son and so I can so he can write his uh in his document and I was like 
what was I going to name myself? Like we talked about it from the beginning, but we never actually went through it and said, okay, this is his final name. We want, we knew that we wanted to name him Dennis, which means the sea and ocean in Turkish. But we love traveling, so that name would fit our son perfectly, since he will be traveling with us, right? And I was like, wait, will he be able to travel, or will he be still able to live? And I just, I, I started crying in that surgery room. I didn't know what to do. I was just worrying about the exoskin, about the heart. I was like, what syndrome maybe he might have? I just had so many thoughts in a split second. And at that time, we just haven't finalized the name with my husband. But Ender Sharp Kane poked me. So I, was, I just yelled his name. I was like, okay, we are calling him Dennis. That's it. I want to name him Dennis. And he said, okay, he's going to have a great he's gonna have a great life with his parents i was like yeah i really hope so and um at the time i just wanted to trust them so i just nodded his nodded my head um they gave me an epidural and it took two seconds or so for me not to feel my legs and actually it was feeling really good i was just like numb basically and my husband got in he was so excited like you could see it in his eyes He's more emotional than me, so I could understand that, actually. Um, I was more like, okay, what's next? <laughs> and he came and sat down next to me. doctor told us that um, they were going to start with a pinch on my belly and then start the surgery. And when the baby is out, I, I would, I would um, feel some kind of heaviness on my tummy. So I started to wait for the pinch test and I saw people were starting to hand them all these kind of knives and such. And I got panicked and I was like, I thought you were going to tell me that you were going to do the pinch test. And he was like, yeah, we've done that. And you didn't feel anything. So we started already. And while I was talking with my husband, I realized a huge heaviness on my tummy. And just like any other mother, I was expecting them to give it to me. And um, we had a heard, had, we had a, like really huge curtain covering my view of the surgery area. So I told my husband like, "Hey, he, he's out. I feel it. Like, and then can you see it?" And then he was like, "But I don't hear him crying." And I started worrying, and and like, "What? But he should be there." And nurse storm next to us grabbed the baby, showed us for a second, like exactly for a second saying like here's your baby and then just ran to the next door i had no clue what was going on the baby was extremely purple i never saw that color in my life and um doctor told my husband like if he wants he can go to the next baby and i looked at him and i was like go look at your son like he should see you first <laughs> sorry oh my gosh okay and then um it took so so much not to be able to hold him after I delivered the baby and I wanted to just scream and cry and, and just have a big meltdown at that time. But instead, I was just smiling, chatting with nurses, telling them jokes. Oh, they were say, uh, soothing me up. And it took about an hour to clean me and see the scar. I had too much amniotic fluid and the doctor kept telling me it's good that I didn't have, have my water broke at home. So it would have been very, very messy. And um, Drew came back smiling and said, cardiologist just is checking him and making sure that everything is okay. I kind of knew, no, it was not okay, but I know when he lies. 
but that's fine. I was like, I'm going to take care of myself first. At the end of the surgery, they took me to a room. Um, and then told me to stay there for an hour or so till they make sure that I'm good and I don't have any bleeding and stuff. Um, by the way, here's a tip. Don't forget this, ladies. They gave me a gum to chew right after the surgery and told me that it would help not to throw up later it definitely works apparently people throw up after the c-section and chewing gums makes that feeling go away so uh that's a tip <laughs> and um while i was in that room they took the baby to NICU, and my husband went there with the baby i was just alone and then my friends and my sister visited me at the surgery uh, um I, my husband came back from NICU and gave me a major tape that was like 37 centimeters wrong and he was like this is how how tall our son is and I was just shocked I was waiting for our baby to be that tall and he weighed um one half kilograms which means about like three pounds I guess like it was so small and our most nurse told me that it's better than one pound babies which they have in the NICU right now and to be honest, that made me just feel much better. And after all, there were like two and three weeks and one pump baby babies in there, right? Like our son was born in nine, three and nine weeks and three pounds, way bigger than others. And they pushed me on the real bed to Nikki first. I barely remember that moment because of the medicines I had previously. I was totally dozed off. But um, I remember them showing me the baby in the NICU case and telling me all the problems they have from the triage when he was born. I didn't really listen to them. And husband told me later that right before they pulled me out of the room, I apparently yelled at the NICU doctor and said, like, is there anything positive with my baby? And doctor just said, yeah, he's alive. I mean, that's a good thing, right? And I just remember myself crying really loud and telling them to take, take me to my room. And I just wanted to be relaxed and wanted to feel much better there alone. And after I got in my room, my friends and sister came in. Of course, I was smiling like nothing happened before and tried to heal. I told the nurses that I was the priority, like I need to be really healthy so soon so that I can take care of my baby. So they brought the pumping device to my room and said that I cannot breastfeed the baby for a while. So I have to pump the milk and they will give the milk through a tube that goes to my baby's stomach. At the time, my husband said like, what is wrong with our baby? Like, we, we really need some more details on that. <coughs> Sorry. And he just explained that our baby has a mild heart defect, that he's going to get echo every week and his lungs were full of fluid. He was on a ventilator, not a CPAP like a support device, but uh, more like a tube that was directly going to his lungs. And he didn't have sucking abilities yet. So there was another tube going through his stomach for food. Um, he had an oximeter that measures his heart rate and oxygen level in his tiny mini body. He had like pack line where he was getting the blood transfer like every other day almost. And he had four to five heart rate cables around him. He was just looking full of cable. Like I, I actually never saw his whole face. 
and it was just so hard to hold them on, on the first few days and I didn't want to hold them but our nurse was like um, it would make the baby feel safe and sound if, if he had a second skin with mommy and on our first second skin I held him in a couple minutes and I just fell asleep I don't know why but I just felt so comfortable that I just fell asleep and uh, my husband was reading a book to us and that book was The Little Prince. We read so many books to him. It's, it's, it's just, it's really, it was really nice. Um, I'm not going to explain every single detail. I, it extremely hurts to remember, but um, also I don't want to traumatize any, any of the listeners. Um, one of our friends sent us a gift in Nikki Journal. My husband and I started taking notes on it every day. We were just full of hope. My husband was doing his search every day and night. He was not sleeping well. We were visiting our baby every day and um, trying to find why all this happened to us. As the days passed by, our baby grew so much but kept all the external cables. Uh, um, he was just he grew, but he was not getting better. Um, there were days his oxygen needs was coming down to 60%, and then we were partying. And the next day, it was going up to 90%, and it was it was just a roller coaster ride. It, it was we had nice, we had amazing, and we had really really sad days. Um, during that time, we had genetic doctors came in and tested our baby. Um, First, they were just making sure that there was a chromosomal uh, abnormalities, but that test uh, took about like four weeks and then came negative. And then they said it might be Newton syndrome. We waited another four weeks for the results to come in, and during that time, uh, we searched a lot and signed up to Newton syndrome Facebook pages, talked with families, and accepted that okay, our son son is probably Newton. But that's okay. We can handle this together. Like, no, no matter what, as long as he lives, we are totally fine. Um, later, that test came in negative too. The more my my husband was into searching, the more he was saying like knowledge is power. And at the same time, I was saying no, ignorance is a bliss. Really, like I just didn't want all these stupid articles to mess our minds. And I just wanted to focus on our daily life and hope for the best. And one night, there was a night nurse that came next to me, and I was looking over at my son. She said, he's different. And I was like, different? Like, what do you mean by different? He looks like a regular baby. I got so offended. And I was like, what do you mean different? And then she said, well, he doesn't look like the other babies. I was so sad. I just cried the whole night without telling anyone. Because it just you know, in America, there is a privacy. There's like everyone has their own personal bubble that you cannot just walk to other babies, and babies better just check them out. While I was walking around the room, I was trying to check other babies, to see them, and see what's wrong with our baby. But um, it was just not possible. So I asked the head nurse to show me another baby who looks normal. I was like really demanding that. And I wanted to know my baby, why my baby was looking different. 
of course, nurse couldn't show me other babies. So she told me his head well, has a like triangular shape and his fingers are swollen. His feet is swollen and his face has like some abnormalities. But when we look at our baby, we just see a really cute little human. Like we don't see any differences. It really hurts when someone says that your baby is different. Anyways, um, the more the baby grew, the more we saw the differences. And his head was really growing triangular, like they were right. He had a skeletal problems that limited his range of motion in elbows and wrists. He had a really short neck, extra skin in his neck, um, small fingers and toes and other stuff. But since his birth, doctors have been suspecting a genetic syndrome. And finally, on March 13th, um, they have identified a severe and fatal syndrome. The actual name of this disease is just like really, really long. It's multiple congestional anomalies, hypotonious seizures syndrome type 2 or something like that. And um, the moment we learned the name, of course, my husband deep down searched and searched down on it and found an article where there were only two boys have been added in the literature, and their photos are exactly looking like Dennis. And we were so shocked. Both of them couldn't live for a long time; they lived till their week ten. And apparently, there was a letter change in his gene, and that gene called PIGA. And it is the X-linked disease, <laughs> and then you know, then is the male, so he has X and Y. Apparently, he has a sick X and a healthy Y. So he got that sick. We thought that like he got that sick X carried over from me, and we started thinking that then like I'm a carrier of this disease. And um, if you don't know, like female has two X's, right? Like X, X, and male has one X and one Y. One y. And um, so you can think of it like this. Like if one of the X is, an, is like an encyclopedia and it has like 23 books, right? With two X, there are 46 books, just like the chromosomes. But one of the book has so many chapters. And in each chapter, there are so many words. There in one of the world, word, um, one letter is C instead of a G. Just like that, with one single letter change, you can get sick. And it's just, it's unbelievable. And um, Jerry's doctor told us that this happens less than one in a million. Can you believe it? Like, it happens less than one in a million. And it's just, on that day, everything was just mind-blowing. Everything we learned, we were just shocked. And after finding out that what he really has and looking at his charts where his oxygen level goes down every day, and at, at the time, he was just in need of 97% oxygen. Like, he was just doing the 3% on his own. He was in pain, or at least that's what we thought. And um, doctors knew that he didn't have much time. So they offered us that we could move him to comfort care. It's the hardest choice that like for mother and father to make. And it was so hard to sign the papers. We knew that we were choosing this way to release him from the pain. And he was finally in his peace. 
and didn't have to endure a painful and short life. And we had been preparing ourselves to this, like since his birth, but um, he had really amazing 69 days without love. And we gave him bath, um, we read him books, we held him almost every day and um, talked to him. We told him that how much we love him. We just cannot wait to welcome him in a healthier body, basically. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Though it is really painful, we are relieved to have learned the exact root cause. So after talking with mom and explaining the situation, we found out that my grandma from my mom's side had three birds which were males and they died within the eight hours of their birth. So we thought this mutation didn't start with me and my sister and my cousins might be affected too. So we tested my sister, and unfortunately, she was a carrier as well. So Dennis really served his purpose to this world um, and saved many of his cousins and siblings. So we are really thankful for him for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I usually don't cry. Like, it's really hard for me to cry in episodes. <laughs> just like, I will just cry. <laughs> It, I mean, so much. <laughs> it is so, it's, it's so different to share your story from start to finish, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's it emotional. Is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I thought I was really strong and I never cried in front of anyone. And it's just like, I'm now crying. <laughs> 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 uh, so like, we had the toughest three months of our life and we fought till the end. We did everything we can. Our son was in one of the best NICUs in the, in the United States, and we were so grateful for that. Our doctors were the best. We, did, we got an extreme dose in parenting in such a short period that like, we had to give ourselves some time. And after we lost our son, we decided to go away for a while. Um, our teams at work were really amazing to give us the time we need before going back to work. And we took our carry-ons and we just traveled nine countries, 15 destinations in six weeks in tribute to Dennis. And we collected sands, we wished them happiness, um, we cleared our minds, we both got a mini sea wave tattoo on our uh, right wrist to remember Dennis every single minute, hours, days, or years, as long as we live. Um, after we got back from traveling, my husband and I wanted to honor our son. He started looking like what we can do, and he found an amazing company called Eternal Reefs. Um, and Eternal Reef combines a cremation urn, ash scattering, and burial at sea into one meaningful permanent environment tribute to life. And we just loved why this company was there. And um, we, we sent them Dennis's ashes and the eternal rifts are then placed in a permanent ocean location, like by the um, by us basically, and it's it's a really unique memorial option since Dennis means the sea in Turkish, and we want to, to honor uh, his memory by creating a home for the sea creatures. So we were really happy to find that company. Um, we went to Miami in June and had a four-day long ceremony weekend. 
and we have created the reef, we painted, we put our hand shapes on it. I brought so many seashells with me, I added them and placed the toy that I made for him in the reef. And on the last day, there were two boats at the pier and one of them was carrying the um, families and the other one was carrying the huge reefs. When we arrived at the permitted location in the middle of the ocean, they just started reading the name of each person so their families can go at the, um, at the end of the ship and they can just look at the second ship placing their person's um, reef in the sea. So that was just a full of emotion. It, 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 was, it was full of emotion. It was really, really nice. And we really needed that for that closure. And after they placed the reefs in the water, um, so they, they just announced each of the lost one's name and then three sheep horns afterward. And after we were done with saying our goodbyes, um, there was like, the, there was, I think her name was Shelly uh, from the Eternal Reefs Company. And she came next to me and gave me a bouquet of flower and told me, you did well, mama. And that time I just don't remember anything but just crying so hard because of the mama world. And I was like, yeah, I'm still a mother, right? And um, it's just, that's the sentence that whenever I think of it, I start crying, sorry. Um, when our son was in NICU, our friends were telling us that we need to think about writing his name on the waitress of the daycares because the wait line is about eight months here. I don't know how you guys doing there, Shelly, but like it's it's really, really long time here. So mm-hmm. I I put his um name in the daycare about like eight months before. And our plan was just like our families were gonna look at him for first six months after he was born and then um we were just going to have him go to daycare near by, you know, where we, uh, where we are at work. Anyway, so he was in NICU for a month at that time, which was February, and I went to daycare and registered him, and they added him in the waitress for April 2020. <laughs> and I was like, great, if he lives by then, that's awesome. And then uh, when I left the day, that, that daycare that day, I thought of, like, how much I would kiss him before I let him go to school. And I was imagining like how hard it was going to be to say goodbye each day. And on the ceremony day, I just let my baby go to the deep ocean with three sheep horns. And there are just no words that can explain our feelings, I guess. But um, now we are hoping, dreaming and planning. We started this IVF process because we learned that if we... Uh, if you do the IVF, we can do the PGTM and PGTA testing. And in that way, they can find if there's, um, like, they can check the embryos and see if they have the PICA disease. And I started my first IVF cycle on uh, October 5th. And I started the injections. It was painful, but I was like, it's okay. I can definitely do this. And about, like, 15 days later, I had the retrieval. and I had 23 eggs and nurses were like, oh my gosh, 23 eggs is amazing. And then the doctor came in and said, well, 23 eggs are not that good because you are going to get at least like either zero or one healthy embryo from these 23 eggs and and just like crushed my dream at that moment. And 
I was like, no, I'm feeling hope more hopeful. But from that 23 eggs, I actually got um, 19 mature eggs. And then um, 16 of them got fertilized. And we were so hopeful. Um, but at the end of the day seven, we only had 11 embryos. And when we sent those to the lab, um, they came back just two days ago. Actually, right now, like it just happened now. Um, two days ago, they came back and they said, we only have two healthy embryos out of 11. So at least I got more than one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everyone says that it takes only one. But it's just, I'm, I'm still panicking that I have two embryos. And both of them are males. I think it's a miracle too, um, because, you know, with this disease, like, male is more affected, but we got healthy two males, and now we are just thinking of doing another cycle, just to, just so that we have uh, more options if those two would work, and yeah, I think I'm going to do the second cycle in January, and I really hope that I can get a little bit more healthy embryos, so we at least have a chance of having a two kids yeah that's amazing i you're gonna have to keep this posted and hopefully we'll do an update episode with you <laughs> sure we'll do we'll do yes now i always ask this at the end of every episode if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation what would it be you know, my advice is actually getting on the Instagram community. So I found out there's a huge um, infertile community on Instagram that I had my own privacy account and I'm just sharing my stuff over there as well as like all other women and we help each other. And just, it's so strong that women are just helping each other. It's amazing. So if one advice that I can give, like open up a new Instagram account just for yourself. Don't give it to your, any of your friends and just have your journal there. Have, let other people help you out. I mean, it, it really helped me by like, I have about 90 friends over there and I talk to at least 10 of the ladies every day. And it just, it, it keeps me going. I can totally say that it keeps me going. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll go ahead and I'll link your Instagram in the description sure. of this episode so that anyone can reach out if they'd like to. Thank you so much. I would much. love to. I would love to help other people. So please don't hesitate to reach out. You can just send me a message on my Instagram and uh, just say hi. It will, you know, everything, is, everything will be okay. So it will be nice to um, get people, you know, help, 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 help other ladies. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys reach out and thank you so much for jumping on, sharing your story. Um, I hope it was healing for you to just kind of, you know, share it in full. And again, I hope we, I hope we get to do an update episode with you as well. <laughs> Hopefully. Thank you so much, Shelly. Yeah, you. thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.